Hey there, we're the Westlop Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Oh, well, guys, uh, it's been a week. It's been uh, quite a week, and we got a lot to cover. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, from top to bottom, it's been it's been an incredible week. I think we're going to talk about, like, nine separate games <laughs> that have transpired <laughs> since our last pod. Nine games, what, five teams, four teams? Five teams, four teams. I've literally yeah, lost four. track. There's so there's so much going on for nine games, four teams. Um, in the interest of kind of kicking this off, and I alluded to this on Twitter earlier, but to to a dovetail with kind of the overall theme here, and also explain why this pod is coming up a little later than maybe you guys are expecting it to. Um, we had even batted around potentially recording Sunday night, and it didn't exactly work. But we were like, all right, we'll record Monday night, and then. Late afternoon, I was on my way to work on the Tri-State, and the transmission blew out in my car. So I was on southbound Tri-State, transmission blew out, had to pilot my car on no engine power across four lanes of traffic. Thank God I was on a downslope, and thank God I didn't get hit. Could have been way worse. And then was waiting three hours by the side of the road for, uh, for a tow truck to show up. So I bring that up, one, because... That's, uh, and my car is currently in the shop for an undisclosed amount of time. And I bring that up, A, because that's not, that's why you're getting this pod probably a day later than we would have liked to get it to you. And also because at the end of the day, still pretty great week. (laughs) (laughs) And and I think think maybe, maybe number three, uh, if anyone knows a good mechanic. Yeah, right. I mean, it's, it's. Arlington Heights, it's in Arlington Heights Ford's hands now. But but again, right. at courtesy of Northwestern Sports, I got to say, uh, on the measure of things, pretty pretty solid week, all, all things being equal for me. <laughs> it's such, yeah, such is the power of sports. Uh, so we're going to do things a little bit differently tonight. Um, you know, Normally, we'll, we talk about one sport, then we talk about another sport and kind of make our way around. We're going to go a little chronologically tonight. Um, you know, we, we left off last week, uh, with the gigantic upset over Purdue, uh, number one ranked Purdue. Uh, we did not get ranked in the top 25 after that for, I don't know, laundry reasons. Um, and you know, an Indiana team that had the exact same record as us, uh, had also had a win over Purdue was sitting at number 14. Which takes us to Wednesday. Uh, which is which is ha- funny because a lot of you probably are listening to this on a Wednesday, so it's kind of cool. We're we're rewinding almost exactly a week. So Indiana comes into to Welsh Ryan Arena, and Cats get off to a massive start, like just the first half utter dominance. You know, it takes a twenty point lead. Um, and then the second half, things start to slip away. And, you know, I, I know I was thinking like, oh, we've, we've seen this. We, we've seen this movie before, you know, get off to the big lead, give up a, a late comeback and, you know, lose at lose at the buzzer. You know, we, we this is this is not new territory for us, except it kind of was new territory for us. Well, and that we held on, and, and things, things. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've seen we've seen the end of games go wrong many, many times, and I'll be honest, I I was white knuckling things so much during down the stretch of that game. I think I, I texted you guys. I lost a year off my life uh, in that second half. <laughs> um, and I like outside of the calmness of Boo Booey, which has and and the excellent play of Boo Booey, which has been a theme for going on like several weeks now um basically the 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 entirety of of 2023 um i like it's it is hard for me to put my finger on anything particular that was happening in that in that stretch other than like trace jackson davis was playing very very good and was tj had, had right yeah yeah just taking things to northwestern and at the other end 
you know, maybe we were settling a little bit for three. We like shots were not falling. I think um, Chase took some some uh, ill advised <laughs> ill advised looks, but but just generally, what had been working for Northwestern in the first half was not working in the second, and it was a war of attrition that, um, by some miracle, we managed to pull out and win at the end. Yeah, the I mean, again, it's it's funny. Like, I mean, credit to TJD. It's funny just because he was just a train wreck in the first half and we were pointing it out and everyone was pointing it out because we had this string, right, where we could string all these games again and like you look at Wisconsin star, like Ohio State's stars, Edie turned it over six times for Purdue, right, and then TJD through the first half and be like all of Northwestern Nation was basically crowing enough of these like isolated discussions game to game about, wow, it's so strange how blank is having a bad game and being like, yeah, no, the common thread is Northwestern and the best defense in the country, but credit to TJD. Yeah. He turned it on the second half. I would say well, in terms well, of and, like, and, and his coaching staff that did a phenomenal job adjusting. And I don't think yeah, Northwestern absolutely. countered very effectively. Right. And I think what was different from Purdue is, you know, Edie was, you know, the double team was coming fast and furious on TJD, just like it was coming on Edie. TJD seemed to be more adept at getting out of it, like either mm-hmm. spin attacking or whatever, but he was also offloading very effectively to other post players down low. Whereas Edie was typically throwing it out to the perimeter and Purdue was missing three pointers. Yeah, that's a good point. Right. They were, they were exactly a second cutter slashing to the hoop and finding that guy. They absolutely were doing that. I think one thing though, you know, from an offensive perspective for Northwestern is like, Never forget that, and this this folds into some of the explanation for this Indiana comeback. Never forget that Northwestern beat the numbers one and number 14 teams in consecutive games while shooting wet trash from three. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean we it's, remember- it's, it's five straight ranked wins. Yeah. Or four, and- four straight ranked, ranked wins because Iowa was not ranked. And, um, I don't know that we've shot great from three in any of them. Well, I mean, I, we're not going to violate the structure of this particular pod by going to a game <laughs> when, when, when the stars finally aligned. But let's say through this Indiana game, they weren't. But I, I want to go back to the, other, the key thing that you mentioned again, because you talked about Bowie and the end game situation. And obviously, like... Yeah. I, I was going to say, like, the last 30 seconds of this game were, I mean... The calmness of Bowie the was, calm. was in. And, right. You said it, and Scuzz said it earlier, his calm. And when you listen to the replay after, or the interview with Boo after the game, it's such a juxtaposition to this, like, chicken with the head thing off, head cut off thing that has plagued this team in end-of-game situations as late as early this season, right? And you, you in the interview after the game, Boo, he was... He radiated the calm in the moment, but in the interview after the game, he was like, I knew exactly what I was going to do. He was like, he heard the coaches say, he's like, he can't go, what did he say? He can't go right. Like, he's like, he can't cross left to right, or he can't go right or something like that. And he was like, well, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And he had it all planned out in his head. He knew what he was going to do. And I think we were all waiting, being like, all right, when are you going to go? When are you going to go? But he had it all timed out and he had it, I mean... It was a perfect play. And, right, I mean, again, had we lost, we'd all remember that collapse, you know, in terms of that big comeback. But he didn't. He hit that shot because that's the kind of team this team is, and that's all anyone's going to remember from this game. So, I mean, that's all we will remember from this game. But I'm, I'm think like, watching opposing team Twitter, especially, like, Purdue <laughs> Twitter, going just apoplectic over calls over refereeing i mean did Bowie push off a little bit at, uh, on that the, the purdue fan, maybe a smidge but i the next day i was reading on espn in in an indiana power rankings capsule or it was like a a um a how's everyone doing relative to bracketology in each conference right so it's like who's in who should be safe etc and in the indiana capsule they were like Indiana fans wanted to travel on that play. And I was like, I've watched that 50 times. That never gets called. I don't even know. Like, 
You could have asked me, you could have me watch that a hundred times and then be like, did anything seem wrong with you? And I might once have been like, well, Boo was a little bit, uh, the idea that it was a travel, I mean, give me a break. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't think travel was not what I heard. I mean, push off, no, maybe, no, I, th- I think the off. article they may have, they may have misquoted, but I like the, the broader point is like, first of all, Indiana, don't get down by 20. Um, sure. <laughs> uh, s- s- second of all, you did the exact same effing thing the next game against Illinois. Managed to come back again because uh, Trace Jackson Davis had an awesome second half, but again, like basically didn't show up until after halftime. Like maybe your team should sort that out if they want to win games. Um, I like I'm sure Michigan Twitter was super calm about Indiana coming back and beating them with a last second shot. Um, uh, the week prior, um, I just, this is, this is what happens. And I think like, like some of the commentary on, on, on that I've seen from North, I don't know if they're Northwestern fans or whatnot, but like the idea that like Northwestern has been the punching bag for these big time programs for years and they cannot stomach the idea that Northwestern is good. Yep. Um, I, they, not even that they can't, they can't even wrap their minds around it. Like this is completely foreign. Yes. Right. Credit, and, and, yeah. and I guess I can't either. Like to a certain degree. I mean, well, I mean, and, and, and we've mentioned it before, but I think friend of the pod, Ryan Lindley was the one who he brought that up. And I think you retweeted yeah. it and like multiple, but I mean, it was, it was distilling what everyone was thinking. And of course, again, not going to put the cart before the horse in the format of this. And I, I know we're going to be pivoting off this particular game in a second, but there is a larger theme about a lack of general respect that permeates and isn't just Oof. isn't just it's it's conscious in in the it, with respect to opposing fan bases and then there's a lot of unconscious with respect to the way a lot of other things are being handled right now but but you know we can get to that down the road all right so uh so that's wednesday uh, let's go to thursday uh lacrosse Beats Notre Dame eighteen to fourteen. Welcome back, Izzy Skate. <laughs> oh my god! I believe Notre. I believe Notre Dame was ranked number fourteen going into this game. Um, Cats at what, like number five, maybe. Um, but we like this was this was so coming off of that IU game. I think I know. I looked at the weekend and was like, oh shit, the next four days are going to be lit because we've got. So you know you've got a you've got another softball tournament at Clemson with, that features Clemson and Notre Dame. You've got two lacrosse games against ranked ta- talent, and then all of this culminates with the next big game on the men's schedule against Iowa. You know the last game of this just extraordinarily different difficult homestand that I I literally said two podcasts ago I thought we were going to lose all three games. <laughs> so like what the what the heck do I know? But um, you just you just felt like. Wow, there's a lot happening in the next four days, and this this lax game on Thursday night is the first, the first you know moment. And um, yeah, the team the team came through in a really big way, and 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 Skein came through in a really big way. Well, that's the thing. I mean, there's definitely and and this isn't the first lacrosse team to have this character, but this has this is an all gas no breaks team. I mean, they're they're they've. They've they've had multiple seasons where they've played this way before, but I mean, this is a team that had lost a one goal game to Syracuse, you know, top five team in the country. Um, and the Notre Dame game, you look at the score; the score doesn't really represent it. It was bizarre. I mean, the Cats were up six or seven goals as late as like a minute and change, maybe two minutes, and then suddenly Notre Dame was winning draw controls and picking up a couple of goals in really quick succession, like twenty seconds. Yeah. So with with two eighteen left in the game, uh, Carly Fleischer uh, scored to make it eighteen to ten. Right. Then. Notre Dame at 151, 122, 111, and 46 seconds. Boom, boom, boom. Right. Boom. So, I mean, it was really crazy. And again, by that point, actually, Northwestern had subbed some players out, but it was still kind of weird. It was like, all right, this is kind of strange. Like, we're not really in a threat, but it's not going to make the scoreline. But again, uh, yeah, I, I've already said too much without being like, this was, you said it earlier, the Skein train finally reemerging. From, you know, I mean, poor Izzy was out all of last season. And then you remember, it's like, she's a monster. It was the domination. It was absolute insanity. I mean, we were following it online. 
And it's just bang, 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 listening to the WNUR broadcast just one after another, after another, after another. And then everyone's suddenly trying to grab their notes and be like, what is the record? Oh, yeah, it's 10 by her. Is she going to tie her own record? Is she going to break it? Um, and then, I mean, it was it was just an absolute onslaught. And the, I mean, I forget what the numbers, but I mean, those were, she had five against Syracuse. So she had 15 through two games, and it's very much someone who is basically being like, I'm the best player in the nation, and, you know, the rest of the nation might have forgot about me because I sat out a year, but I'm here to remind y'all who I am, and it was just, so it was just phenomenal to watch. It was like, this is our star. She was denied last season, does not denied a chance to be a part of what could have been a championship team, and now she's back with a vengeance. So with I mean with before we move off of this game, like with regard to the you know kind of the little run that Notre Dame made at the end, um, you know we don't have Jill Girardi this year anymore, um, and draw controls are cats have you know been on the losing end of that from you know most of these games. It's it's that's the area of the, their game that's really going to need to to come through for them to um, I think go on a go on a run. Uh, at, at the end of the year, like we hope to see them do. So it's just like, look for that area as an area of improvement um, as we go forward with the Lex squad. All right. So turning to Friday, um, we mentioned that uh, softball was heading down to Clemson uh, for a big 10 ACC challenge uh, weekend with uh, Clemson and Notre Dame. Was there another big 10 team down there? I don't, I don't even know. Ohio state was down there. Um, okay. and I know they played Clemson and I'm not sure how it, how it went, but I know, but Ohio state was down there. All right. So us and Ohio state went down to Clemson for uh two each with uh, Notre Dame and Clemson. Boo Clemson. Um, yeah. Boo Clemson Friday, 15 to two. When was the last time the cats got run ruled? It was, this was a, I mean, it was a, a bizarre game and obviously like it kind of runs in the face of the character of everything else we're going to talk about this weekend i almost bring it up because so i watched most of this one on the acc network and um it it's it's worth bringing up only because it was just one of those everything that could go wrong went wrong situations i mean it was just an absolute disaster from top to bottom i want to say we pitched four pitchers i think and they all yes. it was it was a mess for everybody i mean danielle pitched sydney pitched lauren pitched cammy pitched and it was just a disaster i mean from top to bottom um and the, i think we had a couple errors or at least one error on top of everything else and the bats never got going and and it was just this bizarre game and and yes the cats were kind of coming out of a stretch which we've ex- we have covered previously on this pod where it was this kind of weird situation where they had to do this really quick turnaround after the Texas game and then like the Tennessee game was much closer than the final score indicated and etc but it was still two bad games that rolled right into this thumping and I, I would say it's it's mainly only notable from the perspective of the announcers watching it I give them credit were like this is not the character of Northwestern in any way, shape, or form. These two teams are going to play again the next day, and it's not going to be remotely like this. So that and it, and you know, put it it, not putting the car. <laughs> it, it, and it, and yeah, it narrator, yeah, exactly. it wasn't exactly. Yeah. So yeah. that's about all that needs to be said about that one. I was going to say, well, they did they did come back the next morning and uh, shut out Notre Dame. Yeah, Cammy Henry uh, looked real good. Uh, shut out Notre Dame two nothing. And, and this started a theme, too, where, again, it's there have been a couple quiet things that have kind of hung over this team. One is Danielle Williams is having kind of a squirrely start to the season. Yeah, I was I was going to wait a second. Uh, let's put a pin on, on Williams for just sure. a second. Let's you know, finish up with this. Sure. Uh, yeah. So the and then the but within a larger sense with that, what has kind of developed in that. And again, as soon as you you've flush that 15 to two loss what you saw for the rest of the weekend was the rest of Northwestern's rotation stepping up in a big way and it started with Cami Henry in this game um she was just awesome and this is our d3 transfer from DePauw and this was really her I would say her true coming out party I mean going up against a, a, a really talented Notre Dame 
team and she just went the whole distance. Seven innings and seven innings shutout. It was an absolute gem. And then coming back um, with the the second part of the doubleheader, Clemson again with uh, Lauren Boyd on the mound. Seven innings from Boyd, uh, only three runs given up. Uh, unfortunately, you know we only scored two, uh, so you know lost that one three to two. But you know, completely different, uh, you, different feel. I mean, everything was you know they did a great job of flushing that fifteen to two game for, on Friday. And you had so. You had a, a period of time too late, and I forget when it was, but the Cats, not unlike the Tennessee game, the Cats put a bunch of runners on base and just couldn't play enough of them. And in particular, um, we had a, I think, Jordan tattooed one to center field that came a foot short of going over the fence, and their center fielder got to it. And that would have made the difference in the game. I think that would have put us up a run. And it, it was that kind of game. And I think, I want to say, we had a bases loaded situation or something that we couldn't quite cash in on late. But yeah, it was, it was you have two situations where two really good teams, and against those two teams, two pitchers who were not named Danielle Williams pitched a full seven innings and pitched fantastically well in both games. So, I mean, that's the main takeaway coming out of those two. And Clemson is ranked number seven. Number oh, eight they're in the country, they're undefeated. So. They're gonna they're gonna be ranked even higher. They're an awesome yeah, team. Yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna rise. Well, you can also you can just you can see the you know everything we heard from Sydney a couple weeks ago around the the grit of this of this team, the blue collar mentality, the the sense of you know we feel like we can be in every game, and you know th- th- this this is not a team that is a. You know, this is not just Daniel Williams and, and everything else. It's it's not a team that is overly focused on offense or defense. I mean, they, they are gonna approach every aspect of every game and, and try to win that aspect. And and you, you, you can see it in how they approach this game. Um they they came oh so close. Um but uh I mean I you know, I guess we'll we'll get to the next day in a, in, in a minute. There's there's one other game we wanted to highlight here, and that was the women's basketball team notched their second conference win on Saturday afternoon yeah. as well. Big win, 76-62 over Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota is also not good uh, this this season. So, you know, kind of a battle of the cellar dwellers. But, uh, you know, getting the second conference win is, is big. And, you know, we've been talking about this all season. You know, it's They're just trying to find their identity, trying to find someone to step up and, you know, even – I mean, you, you cannot replace a Veronica Burton – uh, but you know, someone to step up and, you know, take the, you know, put the team on their shoulders. Well, in the, the first half of the conference season was very much front loaded for them in terms of the, the opponents and, and this back half is, you know, a chance for them to learn and grow and figure out how to play together. Kaylee Walsh has been, um, a, 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 an offensive force for, you know, a number of games now. Um, she was great against Minnesota. She led, led the cats, um, Paige Mott, uh, put up another uh, double-figure game with, with 15 points. I noted that um, they shared more time on the court, almost 20 minutes on the court, than uh, you know any of the other games they've played recently. That the, I think they had 21 minutes shared on the court back against Wisconsin. So um, I don't know if there's like a Twin Towers thing emerging here for Northwestern, but that's, it's just kind of interesting. The other piece worth noting is that um, Haley Weaver and Sidney Wood were uh, just electric in um, stealing the ball. They had 10 steals between the two of them. I think six for Haley and four for Wood. Um, Obviously, you know, they scored seven points apiece, some of those which were, you know, converted off those steals. Um, But that that defensive, this was was a a, a dominant defensive performance from Northwestern like you haven't seen um, since Burton left, really. And so it's just really nice to see that identity and that mentality starting to to reassert itself and – you know, we'll, we'll again, we'll we'll see how they go down the stretch here, and hopefully they can notch maybe a third, maybe a fourth conference win before the tournament. But um, this is this is the this is the learning days and the learning time, and um, it's all it's all good. 
Yeah, and again, it's like relative. I was thinking specifically relative to home games. I mean, if you look, you have this team that's trying to find its way, and you look at like what their home schedule has been. They had to play number three Ohio State at home. They had to play number six Indiana at home. They had to play Purdue at home, who's seventeen and eight. Then they had to play a ranked Illinois team at home. Then they got to play Chicago State at home, won that one. That Nebraska one's one they would like to have back. But then right after that, home against number eight Maryland. I mean, we've talked about it before. For. This is like the the schedule that this team has had to handle, and they finally they had a good matchup, and they they got a chance to to get a good winnable matchup at home, and they picked up the win. Uh, so let's take it to Sunday. Um, head back down to uh, Clemson, South Carolina, where Cats got it right. You know, it, the bats woke up, the pitching was decent enough, and uh, they really took it to Notre Dame 10 to 3. Yeah, this one was awesome. I mean, it was just an an absolute like you said, offensive explosion. Um it all started with that onslaught in the 3rd inning. Um and it when it was one of those classic ones where it's like the names that you know, right? Where it's like Nelson gets on base, Katie gets on base, Cochran drives them home. Um and just like that. I mean, it was like bang bang bang. The Cats were up 5 nothing. And, um, and then, I mean, again, the, the offense never really started. I mean, it never really stopped from that point on. I mean, they were picking up runs for, you know, in, had another explosion in the fifth that effectively put this one again away. And then they tacked on two in the seventh. The one thing to revisit that we talked about earlier is again, is Danielle, uh, gave up three in the third inning and then, um, Lauren Boyd came in and went the rest of the way and that was so i mean again it was and lauren boyd was just lights out when she came in so on one hand you could be like it's a little weird that this thing with danielle you know but she's danielle williams she's like one of the greatest northwestern athletes ever she's gonna get it like my focus is on these are all good teams that are like number two and number three pitchers are pitching really really well against and i mean if you look at what Henry and Boyd did to Notre Dame, I mean, it was dominant. The two of them combined didn't give up a run to Notre Dame. So it was, and, and again, like you said, they had the, the that offensive explosion. And kind of dovetailing with that, I mean, I, I think if you could go back to the start of the season, because we don't really know what the situation is, but Skylar Schellmeyer hasn't been playing for the past couple of games. And I don't know if that's an injury situation or, or what's going on there. But you're talking about one of the best leadoff hitters in the country. And when you would say, our, I mean, Grace Nieto did just fine oh, leading off. Uh, no, and I mean, I mean, that's the thing, right? I mean, Grace was, Grace was awesome in this one. But you can look and be like, you have Rachel Lewis. You're losing one of the greatest players in all of softball from last season in Rachel Lewis. Arguably Northwestern's greatest offensive player ever. <clears throat> and you have Skylar's out right now for whatever reason, and Danielle's like a little, something's off right now, and then be like, well, all things being equal, those seem like a lot of wrinkles that are going to get ironed out, and this team has already played some really good softball despite that, and I think you're going to see the kind of thing that you saw as this weekend went on, where you've got like players like Ayana Lindsay and Kansas Robinson, right, Um, stepping up, Kelsey Nader stepping up, um, and those players are, they were all big recruits and they're all only going to continue to grow and progress. So, yeah. But yeah, they finally got the, the butt kicking that we've been waiting for. If you or a loved one is seriously injured by someone else's negligence, hire Kent Sinson of the Sinson Law Group. After over a decade prosecuting murder cases in Chicago, Sinson opened his own firm focused on wrongful death and personal injury cases. He specializes in car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and other transportation accidents as well as construction accidents, medical negligence, slip and falls, product liability, and more. Millions recovered for clients. No fee unless he wins. The Sinson Law Group. Compassion, empathy, and vigorous advocacy. Go to SinsonLawGroup.com or call 312-332-2107 for a free consultation. And go Cats! So, also on Sunday, uh, another amazing game from lacrosse. Uh, so, sun, Sunday was like a, it was like a tidal wave that that like that yeah. built throughout the day. Uh, so the cats had not beaten Boston College in a really long time. What was like 
seven years, eight years, something like that. I, I don't have that right in front of me, but it, it had been a minute. Including the um, semifinal two years ago, right? Exactly, yeah. And so BC comes in rated number three and uh, get the one-point win, 15-14. Just, just, just awesome. I mean, like what, what – I mean, a game where they were down 10-6 at half – uh, and I think the halftime post was basically like, we have work to do, but there's plenty of time, um, is what, is what they put up with that halftime score. And then just chipped away at it through the, through the, you know, the last half of the game, you had Dylan Monty scoring four goals. Um, I forget how many scheme put in, but there was also, you know, a couple other major contributors on offense. And then the, the goalie, um, and, and I'm, I'm, I might blow the name here. I think it's La Liberty. Yeah, La Liberty um, with just an absolute mega save at the buzzer to preserve the victory. Um, holy cow. Stood on her head. What, oh, my God. I mean, this was this was such an incredible, emotional, exciting, f- like, second half and finish to watch. Um, and when I say tidal wave, like, you all know where we're going next. Like, this was the the I, I, I don't I don't I don't necessarily want to call it the appetizer, but like there's a spark to almost like the way this Sunday progressed. I mean, it's one of the great days in, in Northwestern sports lore um, because of how how things transpired because of the opponents at play um, in, in all three games. Um, but this performance from from NU lacrosse uh, to to I mean, this was, you know, this was the equivalent of a tournament game like oh for sure bar yeah. none um and again a situation where you know draw controls a really tough opponent um but they uh they came through in in the best possible way or the most exciting possible way i might say oh yeah and like i cannot say enough about Liberty save at the end there like you know, you, you see highlights of that and it's like, oh my God, you know, the way lacrosse goal, I mean, I, I played a little bit of goalie in my time, you know, in soccer and a little bit in hockey, but like lacrosse goalies have very few extra pads and, you know, they're standing in front of that rock hard ball. And for her to make that save the way she did just absolutely incredible. Keeping along the same theme of what Sam just said about the the bravery of goalkeepers, the goalkeeper I was feeling bad for was the Boston College goalkeeper because that one Izzy Skane shot that we put up on Twitter was t- terrifying. I'm, I'm just like, I can't, you couldn't pay me to Fire. stand in front of that. I mean, I again, it's like just. A, a weapon being launched at us so and i mean she was on amanti was on and right like just like just like you said earlier scuzz i mean i found myself thinking how many northwestern students were out at ryan field and then were able to get over to welsh ryan and do the double because that would have been incredible that would have been pretty cool um so speaking of skiing i wanted to, i wanted to bring this up so skiing is second in the nation right now in goals scored and it's very early right uh, but she's got 19 goals in three games that she's played. Um, that is second, uh, tied for second with Jill Smith from Michigan, who's who has played a fourth game. Um, the only player with more goals is Cameron Callahan of University of Cincinnati, interestingly, uh, true freshman. Oh. Yeah, uh, but has also played in four games. So, I mean, Skane is looking just like... Skeen's looking electric right now. When when you when you line it up against uh, against Hannah Hannah Hillcoff at, at Clemson, um, sixteen goals in three games. Rachel Clark at Virginia, thirteen goals in three games. Like those are the players that are actually kind of on par with her, given the number of games played. But um, just you know, calling a spade a spade. I think we all know this, but she is uh, she has started the year just in a in a torrential uh, state of of scoring, and it's um, really really awesome to see. I, I'm surprised that, you know, in all, everything I've seen, she's not wearing a knee brace. I mean, she had an ACL tear and, you know, rehab from that. But, like, even so, you usually see people wearing some sort of brace. I don't know if, uh, like, you just don't want to do that in lacrosse. But, like, 
the fact that she's playing as well as she is, you know, coming off of that ACL is just remarkable. Has it been? Because it, it didn't happen like right before last season, right? Like we knew well in advance. Ah, uh, not. I mean, so I feel like I feel it, like I feel like her recover. She's had more than a year to recover and rehab. So I, I mean, that might part might be part of it, but I, it's regardless, it's impressive. Yeah, for sure. Um, speaking of impressive, let's Woo. take us to the main event of the night, main event of the weekend. So, so, so uh, if if I may, if I just gonna tee you up here, please. if that Friday Clemson game was the low point, where kind of like everything that could go wrong went wrong. We ended the weekend at the polar opposite of the spectrum. So, in front of another packed house at Welsh Ryan Arena. Shout um, out Wildside. Shout out to the Wildside. Like, I mean, I, I, maybe I'll save this for a little bit later, but like, by all reports, 85% purple, 15% Iowa. You know, you don't see that. Like, that is... You don't see that at Welsh Ryan Arena, and that's it's just incredible. But you know, the cast just took it to Iowa, and I mean, there, there's no other way yep. of, of phrasing that. Like, no, they they got up decimated. Huge. Yeah, they got up huge. I mean, they gave up that three at the buzzer of of halftime to make it a, a an eleven point uh, lead, and you know, it's like, oh well, you know, it's instead of it being a fourteen point lead, it's an eleven point lead, but like. You know, can you take anything from that, uh, you know, coming out of halftime? But they just stepped on the gas even more. 80 to 60 was the final. I don't, I, no, I disagree. I think it was all a giant house of cards that would have collapsed if that 10 second call hadn't been called <laughs> correctly. <laughs> I'm just, no, I couldn't I'm agree tr- more. I'm, what, I'm trying to figure out what the score was when that happened, but I, I want to say it was still double digits. Um, I mean, it was a it was a beatdown, and that's where we remembered again. It's that that the previous two games that happened with a, you know, just disastrous performance from behind the arc, and then they absolutely were just crushing threes in this game, and they were coming from everyone: Barnheiser, Barry, Adij, Bowie. Like everyone was getting a piece, and that was the thing you realized. And it's like, oh yeah, when this team is clicking like this and playing defense like that, yeah, like Iowa, you better bring your best game, and they did it. All right, so uh, it was 61 to 46. Um, Titus Verhoeven, you know, got a dunk. Uh, and then the, the, the technicals, uh, you know, Bowie with the four free throws, you know, took it to a 19-point lead. So they had a 15-point lead when, yeah. when, the, uh, when the technicals happened. Well, and I, obviously, you know, Fran, Fran is kind of legendary for his temper and has gotten tossed yes. out of a lot of games and gets all red-faced and boo-boo-faced and, like, get a, get the F out of here, dude. Um, just totally lost it. on you, you slow the, They slowed it down a bunch, and, like, the ball is basically crossing midcourt as the clock hits 20. Um, uh, and, like, I, I think they were saying on, on the broadcast, like, it has to touch someone on the other side. So it's not just across the plane, but like right, to be able, like you can't have your eye on both the ball and the clock. Like it, that's a bang bang play. Well, like it's it's know. like when the clock hits zero in in football. That's not when the flag for delay of game comes out. There's a whole nother exactly. beat exactly because right. you have to look for like oh I see the clock is at zero. Let me see if they've snapped the ball yet. Right. So like that's just that this is just sports people. Right, you're talking about a bang-bang play that, like, again, right, if you're having to slow it down and then have an announcer be like, see, as we run it in super slow motion, it technically hasn't arrived in his hands yet. And it's like, that sounds like a call that in real time goes either way and certainly not one that I'd get double-teched over, but who am I to complain? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like, okay. So with, and, and to your point, John, more broadly, yeah, like, Okay, so Northwestern doesn't get that, and now now it's you know, Iowa ball. Maybe they score. Maybe at, at best it's a twelve point game with seven minutes to play. <laughs> right, exactly. But I it does provide a good opportunity, right, to talk about a a entity that had a big part in those techs and and just 
which is the NU wild side. I mean, they were just awesome, so good. They've been so unbelievable this entire home stretch, and they were just going out of their minds in this game. It all reached a crescendo, a crescendo when Fran was sent packing, and then the Connor McCaffrey "Where's Your Daddy?" chant started, which was just oh my god! Oh, it was it was heaven. And then he got teched, and then it was just like daddy, just like daddy. And it was, oh, I mean, it was gold, gold star, blue ribbon, every one of you. I, I, Keegan, I, Keegan's better. Keegan's better. Keegan's better. I, I want to put a pin, or I want to put a fine point on this right now, because I think there's been, there's been a lot of chatter from other fan bases that, you know, Northwestern is being real jerks about being good and this and the other thing. We talked earlier about, like, you know, the Indianas and the Purdue's of the world have been like looking down on Northwestern for a long time and just can't fathom that Northwestern is good. The NU wild side, like you might be a Northwestern fan that doesn't particularly like these chants. And I think, you know, the, the, um, the Miller cop chants probably got a little out of hand during that Indiana game, but this, like, this is baseline this isn't even like egregious this is baseline for any other fan base in college basketball and that's not to say that's not to like say oh yeah i want our fans to be unruly with like our fans are foaming at the mouth as they should be making welsh ryan an intimidating place to play like every other fan base in college basketball does and i wanted to highlight something i saw on twitter earlier today somebody was selling I don't know if they were celebrating as much, but kind of celebrating the fact that a Duke player catfished some player from Louisville, printed out the text messages on some giant poster board and brought that to the game. Oh yeah. Like Duke fan, right? Just let that sit for a second. Like my God, people. Well, yeah, well, but I mean, like, like the NU outside is just operating like a normal fan base Shouting stuff and chanting stuff during the game, which is what fans do all the time. Anyone who's ever been to Iowa, like, let's let's not even put these things on the same same pedestal. Well, and it's what's funny. The, it's funny you bring up Duke because you've talked about before, right? That the potential of the venue, right? That Cameron yeah. Indoor. I mean, no one's more hated than Cameron Indoor's fans. Why? Because they're right what, on what? top of you. Hated by other fan bases celebrated sure, by, by the broader college basketball establishment. Right. The and Cameron by, Crazies. Oh, they're amazing. The Cameron Crazies. Like, right. like I, I just, I, for Northwestern fans that are feeling any, any like iota of difficulty with what they're seeing and hearing from the Northwestern fan base, like swallow that shit. Cause this is, this is the game. This is the sport. Oh. And, and you have seen how those fans can impact the game. And frustrate a coach like Fran, or or get in the head of a player like Cop, though that matters, and well, the and players I, feel it. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I give so I I want to give all the credit to Collins because his response, and this is a, a brief departure from the strictly linear narrative we've been on here, just revisiting what he said after the Indiana game relative to the Miller Cop chance. Because even I was listening to those in the moment and being like, well, you know. I got a lot of love for Miller Cop. Like he put in a lot of good service here and, you know, he it was one of those situations where there's a group of guys that kind of, you know, we're all like these guys kind of felt like they had to go to greener pastures at the time and everything and like so even I was kind of like, "Oh, I don't know, you know, I wouldn't really be be ripping into him." I mean, it certainly is true that Miller Cop has played really poorly in that arena since he's since he left and I think Well, the they were, were and 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 he and Woodson he, were kind of talking it up before right, they were well, coming yeah, back. Yeah, he, he so. kind of fired off a right. little bit. I mean, not not to like say yeah. what he, he did is fine, not right. to like, you know, yeah. but support that, but like right. And and but and again, but I think the reason the reason I ultimately brought it up is because Collins handled it perfectly. Yes, yes, which that was excellent. Which was he struck the exact right tone afterwards, which is like, look, I have a lot of love for Miller Cop. I thought that was over the line. I wouldn't have done that. With that said, these guys are the engine that is driving everything that is going yeah. on. Right. I mean, that was basically yeah. paraphrasing. Yeah. But he was basically like, no, didn't agree with the Miller thing. Love a lot of Miller Cop. 
on we go to talking about the litany of unbelievable things this fan base is doing for yes. this team, and yes. it was the exact right way to handle it. Um, that, and that is that is the that is the appropriate like again if you're a Northwestern fan that that felt squeamish in that moment the answer is not muting or limiting or dialing back or insulting the NU wild side it is encouraging them to cheers cheer like all hell and and just focus maybe a little bit more on Northwestern which is which is which is what Colin said but um I just like you you heard it again in the in the post game conversations with players like I think it was Ty Berry this time uh Audie said it before but he said like when guys are tired and the crowd is 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 cheering you on like that I I said it a couple weeks ago it's a it's a physiological response the body produces adrenaline and it gives the player energy like people this is like freaking legit this is not some some pseudoscience and this is real oh yeah and especially for a team like us that thrives off that predatory defensive energy yes yeah where it's just a million percent i mean guys like i mean and just watching guys like barry and barnheiser go to that other level and i mean just the confidence offensively i mean particularly with barnheiser but barry this last game was just out of the mind you know out of his mind too but defensively oh my gosh the traps and there's i mean there's nothing more fun than watching this defense play against an offense that's having trouble i mean it's like you better bring your best and if you don't bring your best it's just going to be a disaster and that's the thing like i'm just watching them feast on iowa and iowa not being able to get anything going for the entire game um was and again like yeah we all remember that second half of indiana but you look at those last two games that's three of a four possible halves where the other team was just getting rolled so when i i i think it was kevin trahan that said this it may have been nick medline but i think trahan said this on on twitter just the the idea that like confidence is the most underrated aspect of basketball the game and that when a team is feeling confident and and playing well with each other and feet feeding off of that that you know emotion within you know this already tight-knit small group of 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 guys isn't like you know football where you've got you know 53 guys passing through the passing across the lines at some point during a game like that is is it's an underrated aspect and that northwestern is clearly playing with just an incredible level of confidence right now and it's the sort of thing that can sustain a team and 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 take them on a run and take them to places that they've never been it's the one other thing i wanted to say about you know any any conversations about northwestern fans because i think i think some of the um some of the older generation of fans might be saying oh we should act like we've been there before folks we've never been here before Mm. nope yeah no i mean it's like there and there and again i mean i just Turn it up. Turn it up to 11. I just, just yes. bring it, bring it, bring it, bring it. And I'll tell you what, I just, that volume, you know when that's going to show out? For senior day for these guys. I mean, oh, for Adige, yeah. for Bowie, that next game at Penn State. I mean, those guys are going to get, if it is a send-off, the send-off um, from Welsh Ryan Arena that so many basketball players, you know, have deserved for so long. And so it was, it's... It is. It's absolutely phenomenal. It's electric, and then, and like you said, the and and, and yeah. I, I want to I want to speak to that just just really quick. The electricity, you know, you, it, John, you and I felt it. Like we, we oh. were there uh, for that Purdue game, but the rebuild, mm-hmm. like the the new Welsh Ryan Arena, the way it was built, the way everything was, you know, it's so intimate. It's everything is right there. And like I'm thinking, I'm thinking back to like. Big games at at the old arena. Like, I mean, when you were just like upper, 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 upper deck. Right. Like you, everything went so high. Now it's just it's it's close. It, everything's a little bit closer in. I you know the the seats behind the announcing table. That that's another diatribe, and we're not going to talk about that right now. But like the the student section is being just right. Like everything is right there. It's close. It's intimate. You feel like you're, you know, part of the action, and that the fans now have this, you know, to cheer about. To really, I mean, you can turn it up now in a way that you couldn't in the old arena. Yeah, it's it's incredible. It's it's loud. It's this it's this thing. Like Scuzz said, I mean, it's always the, been the potential of the venue to be a Cameron Indoor type place, and that's exactly what it's been for the past couple of games. And it it is 
it's phenomenal. And and again, you you dovetailed that with a team of of really predators. I mean, there is something to be said for the character of this team that is so hungry and is just going after it. I mean, I, I look at a guy like Martinelli, who is the eighth guy out of eight in this current rotation with Roper being hurt. And he's, his minutes are limited. And man, that dude comes in and he's trying to get buckets and get steals and get blocks in the time that he's on the court. He's like, what what can I, how can I max my stat line out before I have to go back to the bench? And that is, that's the soul of this team. And I think we all know that these are, these have been kind of problems that, that have existed in teams past. And this is just not that team. It's just one more reason that, that this is such a special team. So yeah, they, they got that statement win. And then, right. I suppose as kind of a, an extension of the week, right. Where came, Everyone was waiting. All right, there are these these other pins to drop, right? In terms of of accolades and next steps for this team post post this game. Yeah, and I guess that would that would take us. To, that's the end of the week. Um, I I think the one last piece uh, would be on Monday uh, with the release of the latest AP Top Twenty Five, which uh, you know finally after long last. It put us in at 21. A week late and a dollar short. We should have been 21 after being yeah. Purdue. And I mean, yes. a week late, a dollar short, and Dunnan, I mean, I mean, again, the whole wheel of cheese <laughs> for the AP poll. I mean, not <laughs> no Northwestern logo. No Northwestern logo. Days. No clickable thing. It was literally like. Oh, this team, who is this team? Northwestern? It says here there's some team named Northwestern and they're 21st now. I mean, it was just, we talked about it earlier, but just the disrespect and intentional or unintentional. And of course, all of Northwestern Nation absorbs that. We're also used to it with football. Now it's coming in with basketball and it's just, it's fuel. You know, you know, it's fuel for the team. It's certainly fuel for the fan base. Um and you know, like latest bracket project projections came out the day after, right? And it's we're a, it's like we're a six seed, which just the idea of people projecting us as a six seed right now is you know ought to make steam pour out of your ears for what kind of season this been. And everyone immediately is like, in and Indiana's a four seed, and that's all anyone's thinking about. Well. They're losing seventy six to sixty three. Yeah, Michigan they State they, right they ain't going to be so. a four seed for much longer. Well, I just like John. You called it out after the the game against um, Iowa. The discussion on Big Ten Network was could Northwestern get a four seed? Which again, like people, we've never been here before. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's also, but it's, it's just so, so impre- freaking right. exciting. I know, and it's like the idea that. But it is so funny that everyone immediately is like, and yeah, I know there are like some advanced metrics and we were joking today that, right, that aforementioned Big Ten conversation, they were talking like, well, you know, advanced metrics don't like Northwestern. And we're like, advanced metrics don't like Northwestern for a four seed. It's like, it's just the expectations of this fan base have suddenly been so ludicrously recalculated that these metrics that were helping us all season no longer help us relative to these current goals. It was like, the conversation was like, oh my God, can we please just get in? And the metrics were like, yeah, love it. Have and then suddenly it's like, yeah, but what about a four seat? Yeah, well, a, tw- a 20 point win over Iowa will do some uh, some, yeah. some nice things for your metrics. Um, I, I did, I, I want to spin this forward a little bit for these four teams because it's just it's yes. it's an interesting slate coming up. The men the men's basketball team has got just absolute fire continuing to come down the pipe at them. They have to go to Illinois uh, on on Thursday of this week. They go to Maryland over the weekend. John, you mentioned that home game against Penn State, which will be Senior Day, which is going to be lit. But Penn State is a team that is also feeling confidence right now. Um, they are you know. Uh, scratching together a a um, a tournament resume, they have uh, won their last two, including a win over Minnesota. They lost, you know, before that, but be, but be, you know they got a win over Michigan. They've got also got a win over Indiana. Um, the you know I I think it'll be really interesting to see Northwestern on the road against Illinois and Maryland. I'm really happy those games are in that order because going to play Illinois. Um, 
there's I just think there's so much that Northwestern can ride from a um we played them once before, we beat them, um this is our in-state rival. Like there's just a lot of intangibles they can use to to whereas if coming off of Iowa you had to go to Maryland, that just feels like a um I don't know, just you're cruising for a bruising kind of deal. But I mean, all four of these remaining games on the men's schedule are really tough. Um, the- I mean, I, I'm looking at Illinois, and they've lost three of their last. They're they're three and four in their last seven. Right. I mean, they they've lost what three of their last five games. Um, you know, they lost to Iowa. They've lost to Penn State. They lost to Indiana. Yeah. Um, they beat Minnesota. They beat Rutgers, and you know, before that they were kind of white hot. But like, I I I haven't watched any any Illinois basketball since uh, since we played them last, so I can't speak to how they're playing. But like, you know, lose a couple games here and there, and you know, it's like when you're when you're sitting at second place in the conference, it's like I don't know, it's a, it's a, just a different place to be looking at. It's like, you know. In the past, it'd be oh god, Illinois, they're 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 tough. Yeah, so are we now. Well, we are, but I like just you know I, coming off of these three home games where I don't I don't think there's I don't think the refereeing has been outlandish, but I I also think like home teams generally benefit from a little bit of calls going their way. Just you know that's just kind of on the average. That's how it ha- happens to everyone. Like go, going on the road now to, to Illinois, like. I just I think there's a lot more intangibles that the cats can take into that game that set them up well, like for success. So I'm glad yeah, but, I'm glad um, they get this Illinois on the road game to then prepare for a much dip, more difficult road game at Maryland, in my opinion. Yeah. Curious, what is Northwestern's road road uh, record right now? Uh, oh, it's very you good. Mean, you mean the best road record in the Big Ten? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that one. Yeah. That it's, one. Yes, yes. It's, it's very six, good. Yeah, it's six and two. They're they're an awesome. They're road warriors for yes. sure. And uh, and adding Assembly Hall to um, or Alumni Hall. What is it? I don't know. Whatever that you no, know. It's, 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 it's State Farmers. Uh, yeah, they, whatever they sold that out. that thing down south there. To add that one to the list that already includes an illustrious and and you know, the cats already have to be licking their chops. Scuzz already bestowed the it's a bad matchup for Northwestern kiss of death on Maryland. So I think <laughs> I, I think Maryland's headed for the Iowa treatment now. For all for all we know. Yeah. Um, well, let's just you know what one game at a time. I you know there's 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 some other stuff floating out there in the in the. In, in in the atmosphere that I'm not gonna breathe life into quite yet. Speak but into words. Yeah. Yes, it's just it's very interesting where we sit right now, and it's uh you know it's going to be an exciting, an exciting but difficult finish. The women have got a very winnable game um, home against Wisconsin uh, this Thursday night, and then uh, another winnable but more difficult game at Nebraska on the weekend to close out their season. Uh, lacrosse gets a bit of a respite. I think they play Marquette, and then they've got a week and a half off. Um, and then the, the softball team has got like, I guess like a relatively, uh, easier Friday. They're going to the Mary Nutter classic. They get Portland state and then a ranked Oregon team, uh, number 22, Oregon on Friday before, uh, kicking off against number one, UCLA on Saturday, following that up with number 18, Kentucky, and then, and then San Diego on Sunday. So, um, just again, like another banner, you know, stretch coming up um but all all eyes are are probably on these two basketball squads to see how they can they can close out the season so that is uh your week in review um, <laughs> I mean, what a week i'm, I'm exhausted all over again. I, I, I went to bed on yeah, sunday night just like I, like I did i you know we were tra- my we took the kids out of town we were traveling so i didn't i didn't quite get to dig into all this the the way i typically wanted but um by some miracle, the the brewery I was at in middle of nowhere, Tennessee, on um, on Sunday night was was showing the Northwestern game. Although they couldn't find it on direct TV, so they couldn't put it on like a closer TV. Anyways, regardless, point being, like um, I was following all the all the fun on Twitter and 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 you know had been checking scores throughout the day and like, but then I was just I was exhausted. I was like, oh my god, oh my, like what what a day! And I wasn't even that like involved in it. Um, so. You know, more of this, please. Like it was a good, it was a good tired. 
Yeah, absolute, absolute insanity. And right, I mean, just to be a piece of all that. And the way it all kind of crescendoed on Sunday, too. The way that it all kind oh, of reached yeah. this fever pitch that lasted all day was just amazing. Uh, anything else to mention before we get out of here tonight? Uh, I get some interesting news and notes that that have, have popped up. So um, Epic Burger, which is a burger joint in Evanston, um, uh, they, they're all around the Chicago land. Are area. they all around Chicago? Good. All right, cool. I know of them. Good, from, bur- from good burgers. Yeah. Good burgers. So they've announced that um, if basically if Northwestern wins two of their last four and gets to twenty two wins, I, we didn't mention that even like this winning against Iowa was the twentieth win of the season. I mean, it was the twentieth win of the been, se- like twentieth win of the season. It lead pipe locked us for the tourney. I mean, it's just like right, and those are things we're just throwing it at the end. <laughs> that those things have never happened before like i I guess we've gotten 20 wins but never it like we've never seen a season with like we've never seen a resume from northwestern like this with like zero bad losses the types of wins on the road against against good competition the upset of course of number one purdue the first time that's ever happened um it's it's very rarefied air and uh, but so Epic Burger has announced that like if if Northwestern notches two more wins, gets to twenty two on the season, um, they're gonna basically give away a bunch of burgers. They're gonna do even more if they if they win three or even all four of those games. So um, I thought that was a, a a cool little tidbit tonight. Um, John, you you found you found some info about the football stadium and the potential plans um, that might be coming down the pipe. Yeah, we put those up. Um, the it's, I mean, we're all kind of like swirling and everything. And of course, there was this thing of like 1,000 Evanston residents signing a petition against the stadium. And of course, there was a lot of, there was a lot of reaction to that. And then Northwestern being like, well, we ran our own studies. And it's just, it's hard to know what to make of any or all of this, right? But one thing we were trying to sort through is to be like, basically in the middle of this effectively to be like, well, what do we know, right? Like, what, what do we know? What information we had? And yeah stumbled upon um, a piece on Evanston Now that was basically like mapping it out. I mean, it's a good piece. We have it linked on our Twitter. You guys can see. And it's just like information, especially in terms of like timetable. And I think they're saying like it had a, an, an alderman, Evanston alderman saying, alderwoman saying that I think I'm just looking here that the university will submit a planned development request in early March um, there will be, it'll review, the proposal will be reviewed by city staff. It'll probably reach the land use commission in early April. Um, and then it's saying, assuming opponents are granted a continuance by the commission to marshal their arguments against the project, then that would suggest that the land use commission might make a recommendation to the city council by May. And then the earliest date, potentially after several city council meetings could be a final decision sometime in June. So, I mean, June, I suppose, theoretically could be a, a, a timetable where you're circling and being like, all right, so we maybe have a final decision on that. So anyway, you can check it out on our Twitter. We don't have any information, you know, like, again, like there's all this swirling, who's for it, who's against it, et cetera. But you can look here and be like, all right, here's some concrete information about a timetable and some different dates we can check off and just stuff you can be theoretically like looking forward to. And like I, I think at the end of the day, you know, there's going to be no public money being used for this project. It's like, you know, I, I think it, it's all. I, I mean, it's it's politics, and you know who knows. And but like, I don't see any reason why this wouldn't move forward. It's not like you know they're trying to get uh, like bond referendums or trying to get, you know, public money here. It's, it's all privately funded. So, you know, yeah. people who, you know, John, when we were walking to the Purdue game, we saw like neighbors with, you know, signs like, no, what are we doing here? Like no to re- new Ryan fields. Like you've lived <laughs> next to the stadium for how long? I mean, this stadium was here when you moved here, even if you're like second or third generation, this stadium has been there since like the early 1900s. But this is what always happens. This is what sure. happened yes. when the whole Wrigley, Wrigley Field conversations were going. This is what always happens. And the reality is, is like there are benefits that are going to be pretty easy to articulate. They're going to be pretty enticing for aldermen who I assume and older women who I assume are going to have the defining votes. And like, it just, it, it seems plausible. This stuff typically, I mean, 
someone find me a situation where like a proposed stadium expansion or something like that, like didn't go through. I, I like, sure. Might it take some time and some, some iterations and some discussions? Sure. But like, I mean, the probably the most controversial thing here is we're talking about like, um, maybe it's, I don't, I don't think it's taller. I think it's shorter. It's less people. Um, so I'm, it's I'm, more enclosed, so like it's going to be holding in the sound more. Yeah, so I'm not going to be like the lights are going to be internal, so it's going to be less light. I get. I guess maybe there are lights versus right now there are no permanent lights. Like that. That that seems to be like the most plausible, tangible, like objectionable thing. So I just don't. I, I mean, just don't I, understand. I've read a lot of belly aching about like twelve concerts. Yeah, and I, and I I'm you know and I think now there are like proposals and counter proposals about like maximum capacity for concerts and things like that. And and look, I mean it there's there's gonna be a lot of this. There's gonna be a lot of of tweaking and things like that and back and forth. I think Scuzz's point is is good about like right. The forest through the trees is that these things always tend to get worked out and that they always and tend that there's to get that there's a process. You know, there's a process and there's like the you know there's the and, and and will there be grumbling? Yeah, there will be grumbling. As, there as always has always is. been true. Yeah. Should, and 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 there and there should be a process. Like sure. I like in no in no way would it feel good for Northwestern or or the you know the city council of Evanston to ram this down their constituents' throats. But I think like the point of doing an open hearing, allowing people to air their grievances, allowing people to to make the case for why it's beneficial to the to the city the type of revenue it's going to generate what what northwestern is going to give back like that's that's all part of the process it's all good stuff like it's going to take time it's sure like it, it might be a little annoying but this is how this is how shit gets done in this place so Scott, are you saying to trust the process trust the process y'all <laughs> so Lastly, but certainly not least, uh, we would be remiss if we didn't uh, pay homage uh, to Billy McKinney, uh, Northwestern color commentator, um, unbelievable uh, career at Northwestern, his you know career in the NBA, uh, both in the NBA and in front offices. He's the mayor of Zion, Illinois, which I, is super cool. Um, and now he will be the first ever Northwestern student athlete to have his number retired. Uh, it's never happened before. And, you know, to, to watch that happen, um, you know, during a timeout, they came back from a uh, break to show the, show the video of it. But like, he didn't know, like Dr. Greg had him out on the floor and, you know, they, the PA announcer, you know, mentioned like, yeah, and you'll be the first to have your number retired. And like, just the emotions on his face were just incredible. And, you know, like I say, congratulations. Couldn't happen to a, a more representative uh, guy for Northwestern. Yeah, not a dry eye in the house, not a dry eye watching at home. Um, there, I mean, it was so great the fact that he didn't know and was seeing it and finding out and how emotional it was, how much it meant to him, just like you said. And also just to – it. it's so great that, again, we said it before, but just to have – the the full strength of this new facility right a facility that in that that he has done a part to help build as part of this tradition of northwestern basketball right and and that right that that it was packed and that this full adoring throng throng of northwestern fans was there to to help him celebrate was just just the best uh yeah so it's gonna be awesome to see number 30 hanging in the rafters for billy mckinney and you know in in some small way, you know, Bryant McIntosh can look at that and say, you know, he wore that number two and, you know, being a part of the first Northwestern team to make the tournament. Um, you know, so while it is retired for McKinney, you know, McIntosh, you know, you'll, you'll remember that as well, too. So that that's also kind of doubly cool. Uh, so we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Uh, head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Westlawpirates. And email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the Westlaw to Brian Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Scouse, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.